Well, that just happens. What's up, YouTube listeners and those listening on YouTube watchers, I should say, and those listening on the free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. This is your Texas Sports Unfiltered Longhorn football postgame show talking about the Longhorns win over Wyoming. Certainly a flat performance through three quarters, but then the Longhorns figured it out better late than never right. I am Trey Elling, joined by a couple different people over the next hour or so, starting with my friend Isaiah Collier. Zay, what's going on? I didn't don't know if you thought you'd be signing up for this when you agreed to uh, join the postgame show for a little bit tonight, but here we are. The Texas Longhorns do pull away in the fourth quarter to beat the Wyoming Cowboys 31-10. to We talked about all week long, especially these last couple of days, that Wyoming was going to try and make for an ugly contest. And sure enough, they did. But unfortunately, Texas wasn't doing much to help themselves at times, especially on offense. Yeah, man, I look like Snooky in Jersey Shore season one, ugly and sloppy. You know, it's just not what it is, not what we're expecting coming off of that terrific Alabama win. And you just kind of had a feeling, Trey, in the back of your mind, man, even with the player-only meeting and shit, like, yo, these guys, how can you not enjoy the fruits of your labor after beating those dudes in the Crimson Tide at Brian Downey Stadium? Like, how can you not want to go out and party, chase the muff around, you're getting thrown stuff, the temptation that you've never been shown before, the love? Like, it's tough for 18 to 23-year-olds to deal with that, especially when they haven't before. And then, you know, when you hear about Andrew Peasley being out the game and they're starting Evan Saboya, like, oh, bet. That's what I'm talking about. Second string, Wyoming, shoot, we about to have a field day. We about to go crazy. Like, everybody on the defense, y'all need to be hyped. It's about to be turnover mania. And before the Jaron Thompson pick six, like, he was doing a pretty good job. I mean, you know, you got Harrison Whaley, who didn't play for Wyoming, the first two games, the Portland State game or the Tech game, and he's supposed to be their big-time running back coming in from Northern Illinois. He had over 1,900 yards at Northern Illinois. So he ain't no punk. And that 60-some-yard run on their first drive, it showed that he ain't no punk. So, yeah, it was very disappointing. But at the end of the day, for them to play this bad and still win 31-10, to 10, you got to like that in a certain way. Like, that's, that's kind of impressive because they played like shit and they ended up up winning by 20 something points so we haven't seen texas teams like that especially in the past decade where you play that badly and you kind of have a blowout win at the same time usually they either lose or it's like a single digit win but you got to be impressed with what they showed in the fourth quarter and that's 21 points i like talking about the silver linings first and foremost look we have plenty of time to discuss the shortcomings for this team on offense. The passing attack was never really in sync, and Quinn Ewer's numbers are reflective of that. 11 of 21, 131 yards, two touchdowns. But let's remember that more than, I don't know what the percentage is, but 44 of those yards were on that Xavier Worthy catch near the line of scrimmage that he takes to the house up the right sideline. Quinn Ewer's had a bad ball game. Part of that was on Quinn Ewers being off target at times. But once again, we saw a Texas receiving core that had a hard time catching good balls really all over the field too. But we will talk 
more about that a little bit later because I do want to bring one other silver lining up here. By the way, defense is still a defense. This is the side of the ball that you have most faith in week in and week out. Jade Barron, if he hadn't already guaranteed himself some NFL money, well, he turned plenty more heads tonight with an absolute dominant performance on that side of the ball. I want to start, though, with my real silver lining breakdown on offense, Zay. Specifically, Jonathan Brooks, a guy that going back to that pre-week one reveal by, I think, the Inside Texas guys first, that C.J. Baxter would likely be starting for the Longhorns at running back. While that's great for C.J. Baxter, the true freshman, it was a bit of a head-scratcher for me because it felt like if you had a bell count on this team right now, a guy that you might be able to depend on more than the other running backs in a room that is talented but also has guys who seem to play to different strengths. If there was one guy that felt like he could do pretty much everything – except unfortunately catch swing passes at times. It was Jonathan Brooks. And I think we saw proof positive tonight why Jonathan Brooks will be the starting running back going forward. And when C.J. Baxter is back healthy, he is a perfect complement to, to Jonathan Brooks because of how hard he runs. He is the type of guy that you bring in the game when the defense is starting to feel a little bit gassed and those hard hits that he is laying on the opposition hurt that much more. So Jonathan Brooks had himself a hell of a game. When we get to our offensive and defensive players of the game, it's going to be hard to go with anybody other than Brooks with 21 carries for 164 yards, almost had that long touchdown run, get stopped inside the 10. I think he has one more opportunity to punch it in from there. Regardless, even without getting into the end zone, Jonathan Brooks was huge tonight. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, what makes a very good college football team, you got to be pretty balanced, man. Yes, we know this passing attack, it can be good. We saw it last week, but you're also right. Quinn Ewers, he really struggled tonight. We saw a lot of 2022 Quinn Ewers in this game versus the Wyoming Cowboys. I mean, he was overthrowing wide open guys. Guys were dropping passes. Again, they just look sloppy. And Steve Sarkeesian, we know how much he likes to put the ball in the air, but there's just going to be times where you're going to have to say, yo, we got to go back to old school football and run it down their throats. And when they finally did that, they stopped, finally started moving the ball. I mean, come on now. Like at the end of the day, Run the freaking football when you have the chance. Like, you should be overpowering these guys, especially in the fourth quarter. And they finally started to do that. So, yeah, big ups to Jonathan Brooks. Like, I think he completely won the spot. C.J. Baxter, I mean, the injuries in the first two weeks, that doesn't help nobody. Jaden Blue, that fumble, that damn show don't help him. Like, I've been – on Jalen Book's high horse lately. I've been all about him and what he's been doing, excuse me, uh, Jalen Blue, and what he brings to the table. And then that fumble, bruh, like, come on, this is the prime opportunity for you to show something, for you to separate yourself and give this coach and staff confidence in you when somebody is hurt. That's a perfect opportunity. And he's like, nah, I'm going to fumble this thing at a time where we need to keep the ball and maybe cover. A lot of people lost money tonight because Jalen Book's fumbled at a very bad time. So, hey, Jonathan Brooks, that's your spot to lose. And, hey, if he could catch the ball when they throw it to him, he's had two drops in the first two weeks, they didn't really get any opportunities tonight, then he'll really be, you know, far ahead in that 
uh, RB1 spot. But, yeah, I like what Savion Red did on those wild horn, wildcat, you know, plays and fourth down. It shouldn't come to that. I think it should just, you know, you should be getting these third down, like, attempts, especially these short ones. That's kind of the ugliness of this game. But, hey, at least they move the chains at times. And a win's a win. When you saw a lot of Big 12 teams go down today, Oklahoma State just, wow, that shit that they pulled over there at Stillwater. Mike Gunner, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like South Alabama, I know they're tough, but they ain't that good. And then Kansas State going up to Missouri and losing, you know, by a field goal. Like a lot of Big 12 teams went down, and it's kind of showing that the Big 12 looks a pretty – pretty weak this year so texas they can't afford to lose any games or muck up because if you lose in this weak ass big 12 then the committee they might say yo no big 12 team deserves to be in the college football playoff when the season ends yeah color me shocked that kansas state lost that game and i realized that it was a 61 yard kick that beat them but even if he misses that kick that is a game that's going into overtime in oklahoma state you can't help but laugh. I'm disappointed that we don't get to play the Cowboys one more time this year just to kick the ever-loving shit out of them because they're not very good this season. Now, we're still going to get to do that to Iowa State in Ames, which is normally a tough game that makes you shudder, especially when you're having to visit there in November. Iowa State is terrible. Matt Campbell may find his way to the hot seat before it's all said and done. I don't know if you saw the video floating around from after their loss to, I think it was Ohio earlier today, 10 to 7. Not Ohio State, the Bobcats. Yeah, not Ohio State, the Ohio Bobcats. Uh, Iowa State has one of the worst offenses that we've ever seen in the Big 12. They're that bad. Now, I know Hunter Deckers got suspended for gambling, maybe on Iowa State games, and so they've got a true freshman and a redshirt freshman at quarterback right now, and I think they lost their starting running back to that gambling probe too. Matt Campbell, the reason why he's probably going to end up on the hot seat is not necessarily just because his team isn't all that good right now because he's kind of been dealt a shit hand. It's because he has an impossible time controlling his anger issues. And so this video that was floating around from earlier, which has some douchebag fan as they're walking into the locker room, I guess, after the team lost the game, the guy yelling at Matt Campbell to get in, get on the guys. And Campbell, you got a hot seat. Well, Campbell turns around and literally has to be restrained like a high schooler going after a, a high school senior going after a junior at a powder puff game, being <laughs> held back by his friends. Matt Campbell's being held back by his quality, quality control assistants on one side of the ball or the other, maybe some players too. It's like, dude, you need to have a cooler head than that. Your anger issues are starting to negatively affect the program. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. But I say all of that to agree with your point that we've seen Big 12 teams lose in an ugly fashion all throughout the course of the day. And Texas, thankfully, was able to get its act together despite the fact that this game was tied going into the third quarter and pull away in the end. And that Jaden Blue fumble, I'm with you. I was hopeful that Jaden Blue could maybe earn himself some extra reps without C.J. Baxter out there tonight. And overall, he was okay, I guess. But to be the first guy on offense to actually turn the football over this season. You nearly made it three games without an offensive turnover. Unfortunately, that is not going to bode well for him going forward. And by the way, the Texas offense struggles, especially in the first half, but even into the third quarter, too, if we're being honest, because they didn't score a point in the third. 
was epitomized by the fact that this team was 0 for 6 on third downs in the first half, Zay. Now, they got their first two third down conversions, I believe, in the third quarter. Unfortunately, they never really got any points out of that. The fact that this team was 0 for 6 on third downs in the first half, and we also saw some really sloppy moments from that offensive line, too. A couple of false starts. Uh, You had another penalty. I want to say it was a holding maybe. And then unfortunately, and this obviously isn't an injury issue or a discipline issue. This is just Cole Hudson going down with what looked like a pretty serious knee injury that will keep him out for some games, if not the rest of the season. Unfortunately, you're back to a sort of square one with DJ Campbell at that right guard spot. And some of the uh, trial of errors, I guess, that you get with DJ Campbell out there right now. Yeah, we know DJ Campbell is an absolute hoss, but there's a reason why he's splitting reps with Cole Hudson. That's probably going to change because, as you mentioned, Cole Hudson, he got hurt in this game tonight. And, yeah, 0 for 6, third downs in the first half. That's just unacceptable. Again, like, you got to be able to run the football. Again, Sark, you know, I got to – I love throwing the football. It's fun. And Wyoming did a terrific job saying, yo, y'all ain't going to beat us with a deep shot. That ain't happening. Everything you're going to have to take is underneath. It might have to be long-ass drives, but, yo, the way college football is now, the way that clock is starting to move, you see how the clock is, like, changing with no no more first downs and it stops. Like, these are very long, methodical drives that, you know, teams are putting on. You saw, what? 10-minute drive that Wyoming had, 70-some plays, and only resulted in three. But, you know, like, they took the ball out of this Texas offense hands and didn't allow them to really, you know, put it on them. Because we know this Texas offense, just a couple of plays, it could go crazy. From Jonathan Brooks' 60-yard run to Xavier Wordy's 40-some-yard touchdown. Like, you know, those plays could happen really fast, which what's make this Texas team scary. But, you know, it's just Sark's play calling. Again, it was that 2022 stuff that's just weird. Like, are you feeling the game? Are you just doing what you want to do? You know, just because you like it doesn't mean that it's appropriate for the time that's, you know, whatever situation that you're in. So, yeah, Jonathan Brooks should have had over 200 yards today. And Jaden Blue, with what we saw with Savion Red, bruh, I'm saving him. Might get some more looks. I would look at him a little bit. I know that Wildhorn Wildcat stuff is different than just running the football, but yo, I think he deserved to get more minutes tonight. And that might be a change that Jaden Blue didn't see coming with Savion Red getting those big fourth downs, two of them on the same drive. So, yeah, this defense, it was a little, you know, uncharacteristic that first run and the first drive of the game, but they settled down. And you mentioned Jade Barron, like the Austin Knight. He is locked in. And you're right, he's going to make some serious money in this year's draft coming up because he's all over the field. And, you know, the stigma on corners a lot of the time is they don't want to hit. They just want to get interceptions and deflections, and they want to celebrate when the ball's, like, overthrown five yards over their head and stuff. Like, this dude wants to hit. This dude ain't scared of contact. And he made some big-time hits tonight that resulted in the punts. And then Jaron Thompson's pick six, that was huge. So you know this defense, they're always going to be locked in, especially how deep they are. But you did not like seeing Sark kind of, you know, go back to old habits. Quinn Ewers, go back to old habits. This offense, go back to old habits. You wanted to see that momentum ride from last week at Ryan Downey Stadium to DKR tonight. 
We're going to call that Savion Red package the Red Cat, right? I know we don't like the color red here in Austin so much, but it's just a natural fit. The Red Cat. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it, man. I like him out there. He's tough, man. He's an angry son of a bee. Like, you remember last year in the Oklahoma State game, he was cussing folks out on the sideline. Like, bro, yeah. you a freshman. Like, well, slow down. Like, I don't like it when, you know, A.J. Brown was doing that shit the other night, Thursday night football, and they were winning with the Eagles. Like, I don't like it when guys are making money or when guys have status, you know, credibility because they're Pro Bowl or big-time All-American players. This dude was doing it as a freshman. And that just kind of shows, you know, the type of competitor he is. And he runs that way. He runs angry. He runs hard. And I think, you know, he feels slighted a little bit that, like, He's not getting enough run. Like, he was the scout team guy last week imitating Jalen Milrow. So, I I know Sark shouting him out and stuff, but he wants to play. He don't want to be on no scout team. So, every time he gets out there, he's going to, you know, do his best. And, yeah, I think he should get more runs, especially with that Jaden Blue fumble tonight. Like, uh, against Wyoming, against anybody, fumbling is unacceptable. But at that time of the game where you could ice it out and really squeeze the ball and allow that clock to tick, 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 you fumble it and give it back to them and give them some momentum where they almost scored. Like that's not a good look, especially with CJ Baxter being out. We know Jonathan Brooks is the man now, but 17 should get some more love for sure. Yeah. I have to give credit to Justin Wells for first calling out how Savion red, despite the fact that he is diminutive in size plays ball, like a grown ass man going all the way back to high school too. And he predicted that Savion would find his way to the field as a true freshman. Sure enough, he did as a wide receiver seemed to be more of a need at running back this off season since they shifted him to running back. So it may be next season before we see him start to play regularly at the running back position. I'm starting to wonder now, Zay with him running scout team, for the uh, for the scout team offense last week and mimicking Jalen Milrow, if they didn't figure something out there that they had a dude who does a really nice job running that zone read, and sometimes it's just straight quarterback runs, obviously. I think the second time you saw that, he didn't even fake a handoff to Jonathan Brooks. Brooks just served as his lead backer. That Savion Red runs angry, but he also has good vision, too, to find little space, a uh, little bit of space, little gaps, to shoot himself through to pick up that yard or so on fourth and short. Yeah, man. He's just a tough son of a bee. Like you need guys like that. And he has a chip on his shoulder, you know, when he moved from the wide receiver spot to the running back spot, I, he probably thought, yo, I'm going to get some serious playing time. And that hasn't been the case so far. This was really the only time that we've seen him was tonight and he made the most of it. So that's what you got to do when they call your number, you know, guys that are third string, second string, you just never know. But when your number is called, you got to go out there and you got to perform and he did that that's how he earns more minutes and yeah they, they probably did see something when they were running that scout team like oh we could maybe throw this in the offense a little bit and they did that but yeah this is a game that a lot of texas fans going into baylor next weekend it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth because everybody's expecting blowout and you saw today with alabama at ucf maybe they ain't as good as what people thought they were. Because, again, that Alabama, teams like that, playing a G5 team, usually blowout, no matter where it is, no matter who's on their roster, especially after losing the way they did at home. Nick Saban going to have that crew ready. So 
17 to three. I know he went through multiple quarterbacks that game and they got some other stuff cooking in Tuscaloosa, but still like we talked about it. That Alabama team, as fun as 34-24 was, how good are they? The 10 penalties, you saw multiple mistakes that are just uncharacteristic from Crimson Tide ways. Like, how good are they for real? And then you saw this week, like, hmm, maybe they're just not as good. So this Texas team, like, they got to stay locked in. And you saw early on, like, I, they weren't. They just weren't. And they had a wake-up call and, you know, salute to Sark a little bit, like, Third quarter woes, fourth quarter woes, second half woes. Third quarter we saw them, but 21 points in the fourth quarter, that's solid. And kind of like in the Rice game, they got together in the second half, but you want to see the full game. You got to win all four quarters if you want to beat these high-quality teams, especially if you have the chance to get to a college football playoff. And right now we haven't necessarily seen that consistently. I got to tell you, it feels like Nick Saban is panicking a little bit right now, which is evidenced by the fact that he made that change at quarterback. I know Jalen Milrow wasn't great against Texas. This is a really good Texas defense, though, and it is very clear that he is their best option at quarterback right now. So when Nick Saban makes the change, I predicted this with BK earlier this week. It felt like we wouldn't see Jalen Milrow unless it was a blowout. And sure enough, Alabama played the two other quarterbacks that were involved in that competition over the offseason and let Milrow sit on the bench. And maybe it's Nick Saban sending him a message or trying to get through to him or get him to focus a little bit more. I don't know what he's trying necessarily because Alabama has the potential, excuse me, to be a decent to good football team with Milrow in there. They're not a very good football team if either Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson is their quarterback. Those guys obviously have to take some lumps too, as does Milrow. But Milrow is at least a dynamic threat who has shown the ability to hit that first read when that first read is open, including balls downfield too. Alabama fans should be worried right now because it does truly feel like the dynasty. Even if it's able to get back on track at some point, that ain't happening this year, man. No, I don't think it is either. And they screwed Miro too. Like Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator. Like, why didn't you do more quarterback design runs? Like, do what he does best. Again, you're doing all this, you know, trying to make him a pocket quarterback. He ain't that. He's not that. So how about you play to his strengths? and help him out a little bit because he's not Tua. He's not Mac Jones. He's not Jalen Hurts. You know, he's not Bryce Young. So, Nick, you had the luxury of those very good quarterbacks that are all starting tomorrow. They could get you out of some shit. To where Jalen Murrow, you're going to have to go back to your McElroy days. You're going to have to really do some coaching here. You know what I'm saying? Which is, he's the GOAT, so I'm pretty sure he knows. But, yeah, that panic and stuff, like the rotation of quarterbacks, I get it. The SEC ain't there yet, and you probably think, oh, if we win the SEC, then we'll be in the college football playoff, and that's probably true. But, yeah, man, I think Milrow, he's their number one option. Like, And it's weird, like Tommy Reese clearly – him and Tyler Buckner are tight because they came over to Tuscaloosa together. Like that's obvious. So he's probably in Nick's ear saying for my offense, for it to roll easier and for it to look better, we need somebody that's more comfortable and Buckner. Okay. 
he might understand the offense, but when somebody's blitzing off that edge, can he make the right read? Is he going to get cold feet? Will he be, have the ability to escape it like a Jalen Milrow? No, he isn't. So, yeah, man, I, I wish they would have put him in last week. Hell, that would have been nine sacks instead of five. But that didn't happen. And, yeah, they got their own problem. And as far as Texas, I think that starting uh, 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 old boy Saboya, I think that threw him off a little bit. I because him and Peasley they play a lot different you know a lot of people are going to look at that and be like oh Zay it's only Wyoming yeah but this dude Peasley he likes to run it he's not the best thrower and this guy you know Savoya he wasn't the best thrower either but the offense was definitely changed to fit what he could do other than Peasley and I thought the Texas uh, defense it took a while for them to figure it out and once they did you saw them jumping everything you saw that big time Jade Barron hit you saw the Jaron Thompson oh they've been throwing these short outs all game long he finally jumps and then takes it to the house and really ices the game so I like how Pete Bukowski and this defense how they're able to figure it out as the game goes like okay this is what this team likes to do we're picking up on it and then when it's time to attack and exploit it they do they did that last week against Alabama and they did that this week against Wyoming and I think you're going to continue to see that when they play in the Big 12 starting this Saturday against Baylor so that's very promising as a Texas fan again the defense they just have so many bodies at every spot to throw in and out of there like that's very scary but the offense you know they did those things that just remind you of 2022 that roller coaster that makes you very anxious as a Texas fan. Let's take our first look at the Clean Cause YouTube comment line brought to you by Clean Cause, serving up eight delicious flavors of organic, sparkling yerba mate with low or zero calories and 160 milligrams of natural caffeine. And best off with Clean Cause, 50% of net profits support addiction recovery. To date, they've given more than $2 million in support of recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. Find out more at cleancause.com and pick up that clean cause at your local HEB. Thank you very much, Johnny, for reminding people to smash that thumbs up button. 73 people at the time and only 14 likes. That number has gone up a little bit, so we do appreciate that. Johnny, folks giving Xavier Worthy a little bit of love here. We'll stick with Johnny for this one. Xavier Worthy has some wheels, man. He showcased it very well today. Certainly on that 40-plus yard touchdown, Zay. Also had a nice punt return, too. But I am officially worried that Xavier Worthy should not be the guy back there for the most part because when it comes to making good decisions on good punts, Xavier Worthy, unfortunately, leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah, sometimes he lets the ball drop when I'm like, dude, you have hands. Just go catch it. That ball dropping and getting yourself in worse field position. Like, come on. Like, you're better than that. I don't know if he gets scared of muffing the ball or, you know, contact. I have no idea. But sometimes he needs to run up and just fair catch that thing. Like, guys are always going to be around you. I, I think it's as simple as him making a business decision. And I completely understand that, too, by the way. It takes some serious dedication and serious cojones to be a good punt returner because of situations like what you're describing right now, Xavier Worthy realizes he doesn't need to showcase his ability to return punts to eventually make a nice chunk of change at the NFL level. 
That's fine. Let's find somebody else, though, who is dedicated. I don't know if it's a Jonte Cook or a Savion Red or somebody else along those lines, too. I would like to see someone else back there who is a little bit more decisive on punts that aren't even either low-line drives where you have a lot of room to make the return or requires you to make that catch in traffic. It seems like Xavier Worthy is dealing with some apprehension there. At one point, he even pounded himself on the chest and said, my bad, because he let a ball go that ends up hitting and I think rolling 10 to 15 yards more downfield. And it was a ball he could have gotten to because it hung up there forever. But he was trying to fake the defense out like they were one place. And it's like, no, no, dude, you can't do that because your players are going to stand further upfield with that ball hit. You have to be the one to go catch the football right there because that would have been a terrible punt if so. Yeah, certain guys, they just haven't, and certain guys don't. And when the ball's in his hands, we know he could be dynamic, but there's more to returning punts than just getting the ball in your hands. And I feel like that's what he's thinking about, Trey. Like, he's thinking about, once the ball's in my hands, what am I going to do with it instead of just catching the ball in general? And there's a lot going on. Like, I'm with you. Like, that's a very hard job to do. I don't know who it would be. Like, John Tay Cook, he dropped his only pass attempt tonight. Like, dog. You don't yeah. give me any opportunities. You no. don't. You got to catch them. You and Jaden Blue, those you, you youngsters, y'all got to capitalize on every opportunity you get because Sark, he don't trust many guys. And if you're out there, he trusts you a little bit. And if you muck that up, like the drop that we saw with Jante, then hey. You'll get one maybe down the line. But you remember Casey Kane last year against Iowa State. He dropped a huge pass. We ain't see Casey Kane to the Alamo Bowl. It was crazy. I was like, damn, man, they did him wrong. They really put him in the doghouse. And you don't got time for drops like that. Now, I know Xavier Wordy drops passes. Adonai Mitchell's dropped passes. JT Sanders, they've all dropped passes. Absolutely. But they've also proven themselves in other ways. And, yeah, having a freshman out there returning punts, that scares me a little bit. Savion Red, maybe they might look at that. Even Keelan Robinson, you know, when he returns kicks to me, I'm like, dang, man, you should have a little bit more juice, shouldn't you? Like, yeah. I'm looking over at USC, and they got Zachariah Branch, who's a freshman it seemed like he returned a bit a kick and a punt every other week and I'm like dog I know we got some of them you know like that's just kind of what it was during those championship teams in the 2000s like you had Aaron Ross like come on man Aaron Ross was incredible at returning punts and kicks and stuff like Jordan Shipley guys like that it just seems like we should have more athletes to make more noise. And again, X did a good job when he had the ball in his hands. He had a good uh, punt return where he almost took it to the house and kind of changed fields and did some damage that way. But yeah, just we haven't had one break since Deshaun Jameson like a few years ago. And I'm still pissed at Sark for not having him return punts his last year and wearing the burnt orange. Like now he's in the NFL doing it for the Carolina Panthers and you didn't have him returning punts last year and he was the only guy that actually touched the end zone doing it so jeff banks like as good as you are we can't find nobody i, I don't know i feel like this is very small right now you know again this texas team is three and oh like we're bitching about you know things that other teams they got way more problems we just mentioned oklahoma state tcu's lost already baylor's lost two games like texas tech's lost two games like the big 12 is just shitty right now 
And Texas, as bad as they played tonight, they won by 20. They're 3-0. and They're ranked fourth in the nation. And I said before the season started, Trey, there's a lot of parity in college football right now. A lot of that has to do with the transfer portal and just guys just moving around and stuff. Like, there's a lot more parity than you think. Alabama ain't what they used to be. Georgia, they were down by 14 points before they came back on South Carolina. Ohio State, even though they rolled, they still got a quarterback in there that, you know, McCoy, I don't know how, you know, how you feel about him or McCord, excuse me. You know, he's he's all right, but he still has to show me something. They still have to play some competition. So Texas is in a solid spot to keep on rolling. And again, they just don't have the competition that they've had in recent years. So when you see nights like this, where it's like y'all beat yourselves more than anything with just being sloppy, like, yeah, we know Wyoming's tough, but they're not on the talent level as you. If you get stuff right and if you're locked in and buttoned up, then it shouldn't be no problems. And we saw that in the fourth quarter. I just wish we saw that for all four quarters. Speaking of young guys given an opportunity to show what they got at a position that we haven't seen them in a whole lot through the first couple of games, we figured that Anthony Hill would get some run at inside linebacker on those early down and distance situations. Unfortunately, it was only a handful of plays in the game, as Jake points out here, where Ant Hill ends up in the doghouse for a little while after getting sucked into the line of scrimmage on that long touchdown run that Wyoming has in the first quarter. I saw him out a little bit on the edge after that, but there were even obvious passing down situations that Justice Finkley was getting some run. Ultimately, Hill does get more playing time in the second half, but unfortunately, he's going to be drawing the coach's ire and probably his teammates ribbing for a couple of days for that blown assignment that leads to the, uh, the long touchdown run for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, and he'll have to understand it's week to week, man. Like each scheme, each responsibility that you have from week to week is different based on the offense that you play and them bringing something different to you. So, yeah, he got a little bit lost in there. Baron Sorrell, you got to make that tackle, though. You're yeah. right there. You were freed 88. You got to make that tackle. You made up for it by getting that sack later on in the second half. But if Baron Sorrell makes that tackle, then Anthony Hill uh, wouldn't even been put in that situation to, you know, be lost on that play. And then, you know, oh boy, have that 62 yard touchdown to start the game. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to learn. That's just what it is. It's still a learning process for number zero. He is a freshman, even though he had the incredible game that he did at Brian Downey Stadium. Again, different responsibility. Like, okay, bro, last week you were doing a lot of spying on Jalen Milrow. You know, you that was kind of it. You were just rushing the quarterback. That's it. They actually put you at that weak side in the linebacker spot today where it's different. Like, and he knew that. He, he knew that coming in. He knew that, like, oh, shit, like this, <laughs> I got to be on my game. And I think just he got a little bit overly aggressive instead of playing smart. And, yeah, the horns end up getting got. So, again, like, shout out to Pete Wachowski, and they completely just started locking up. After that play happened, you didn't see really any more big games. You saw a couple of, you know, those third down out routes. But, you know, they took advantage of that. Jaron Thompson did, especially with his picks six and you know this defense along with this offense being able to adjust during the game I think that's huge because we didn't see that a lot in 2022 
Harrison Whaley's numbers were very pedestrian outside of that 62-yard run, Zay. He averaged less than three yards a carry if you take that one carry away. And I realize all yards matter, obviously. But they did a good job of bottling him up after that. He had a couple of decent runs from there, but he also got stopped a lot at the line of scrimmage, too. So you're exactly right. This defense has shown a resilience all year long, and it happens again. And even Jaron Thompson, who's turning into a bit of a feast or famine player in coverage, like he got burned a couple of times tonight, but he also has another interception. This one goes for a pick six, too, that really seals the game. Speaking of that Baron Sorrell sack, that sack forced Wyoming to kick a field goal to tie the game for what would be a 10-10 score going into the fourth quarter. That Baron Sorrell sack and keeping Wyoming's drive from continuing, possibly finding their way into the end zone, I think we got to call that our defensive play of the game. Brought to you by Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill. Moonshine takes you back to a simpler time. That's because it's comfortable and familiar, relaxed and easygoing. Moonshine greets guests like family while serving up an innovative take on classic American comfort food. Moonshine is celebrating 20 years in business, and they want to thank all of Austin for that support in that time. Go see them for a fantastic dinner or check out their great weekend brunch. They have two locations, both downtown and out here at Avery Ranch, near where Zay and I live. That is a great location. We may be going there for brunch tomorrow, as a matter of fact. You can go to moonshinegrill.com for more information. Baron Sorrell, Alfred Collins, we saw some nice plays out of him as well tonight. Ethan Burke had another couple of nice plays, too. Devondre Sweat. Once again, this Texas defensive line showed that everybody is willing to chip in to make plays throughout the course of the game. Yeah, and their depth, that's what's, you know, that's what's most important about this defense. Like when you get into that fourth quarter and guys are just being coming in and out of the game, they stay fresh. And Bo Davis and Pete Kwiatkowski, that's just the luxury that you have with this defense. And that's what a lot of those uh, Alabama offensive linemen were saying last week. Like, man, they just kept coming at us just guy after guy. And there wasn't many drop. There wasn't, you know, much of a drop off when other guys came in from Verton Broughton to Trill Carter. We saw Byron Murphy on both sides of the ball tonight. Actually, I thought that was a nice little sexy call getting him involved on that play action, him as the fullback for the first touchdown of the game. But yeah, I think, you know, you got to hang your hat on this defense. I think it's obvious that this offense is still going to have its, you know, trouble times, even though against Alabama, everything looked gravy. And I think that was a huge step for Quinn Ewers. I just think that the way the Sark calls plays, man, they're always – we're going to have those quarters where there's just zero points, especially in this new age of college football where teams could hold it for over 10 minutes. Like you're not going to get many opportunities like you did in the past to score a ton of points. So you got to make them count. And yeah, man, Sark just likes to see that ball go through the air. Like he had B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. He was still throwing that ball in times. Like B. John Robinson sometimes will only have like 12 carries and stuff. So Texas Fed just got to get used to that. And, and, you know, we thought coming into this week that it didn't matter no more. Like Quinn finally figured it out when you got all the talent from Xavier Worthy, Adam Mitchell, Jordan Winnington, JT Sanders. It shouldn't matter because one of those guys is going to be open. But this is still college football. Quinn Ewers is still relatively young. And, like, what what can you say about – 
just the overthrows again, man, just not hitting the guys in rhythm. And I know he was hype about his quarterback run. That was cool. But, yeah, just still, you know, just still left a weird sour taste in your mouth. Even 31 to 10, you're like, man, they missed so many opportunities tonight. Sark just wasn't on point like he was last week. And hopefully with this Jonathan Brooks 100-and-something-yard game, he could finally say, okay, we finally got our running back that we know we could get the ball to whenever. And this offensive line, they've gained confidence knowing that they could actually move guys on the ground, not just the air. Yeah, we knew this was a tough, experienced Wyoming football team. This is an old team. This is a mature roster on both sides of the ball. And their front six was the biggest strength. For Wyoming, and it was tough sledding early on for Texas, but they did stick with it. And part of that was committing themselves more to the run once they realized that the passing attack just didn't have what it takes. I had no no problem, by the way, with them throwing it more than running it to start the game. That's what Sark has done the first couple games of the year, and as you just said, that's what he's like to do going back to his first year here in Austin, going back to to Alabama. It's time as a play caller there. I'm sure if you go back and watch what his teams did at USC and Washington before that, there was a, a lot of propensity to throw it on first and second downs. But ultimately, you need to understand when something's not working. I know that's a loaded statement because we were all bitching about those deep balls until they started hitting them against Alabama last weekend. But you got to give credit to Sark for making that adjustment and realizing that he was going to win this game by leaning a little bit heavier on Jonathan Brooks. And hopefully the light is now on with regards to these coaches. The shard choice too, by the way, because this is a group decision of who ends up starting at running back for Texas. You realize that Brooks is your guy. Maybe you overthought that in the offseason. You saw how hard C.J. Baxter was running. You want to punish defenses early on, bring Jonathan Brooks in after that. I just think you had those roles reversed. Jonathan Brooks needs to be the early in the game guy. That's not to say C.J. Baxter won't get carries. Maybe even the first drive, if you give Jonathan Brooks the ball three or four times. They do like rotating running backs after a couple of carries. Jonathan Brooks needs to be the lead back with C.J. Baxter coming in to, I won't say relieve him, but to really play off of what Jonathan Brooks has already done to gouge the opposing or the uh, opposition. Yeah, we've seen in college and the NFL, just that bell cow running back like that really doesn't exist anymore. Guys like to keep their backs fresh, so they like to do it by committee. But Jonathan Brooks, I mean, he's proven that he should be the first one out there on the first drive every game. And I'm just so over the Steve Sarkeesian, we're going to throw the ball to open up the run. No, you take what the defense gives you, man. Like, it's fun to do the all gas, no breaks thing. I get it. You were a former former quarterback you got Quinn yours he has the most beautiful release you've ever seen I get all that but man I do have a problem when they come out and throw the ball three straight times and Jonathan Brooks doesn't even get a touch to start the game like what are we doing it's just like this is Texas they're Wyoming I don't care if they got old boy that's gonna get drafted next year number 28 like I don't care Let's run the football, and then we'll see if they can stop us. And if they can, then we'll start going to the throw, and then the run can set up the play action and stuff, which, Sark, you love the play action. So how about we run the ball to make it make more sense? And the line will – I take that back in a way because this offensive line, these first two weeks, they've shown us that – 
you can't trust them that much running the football, especially with Cole Hudson leaving the game. So I, I kind of understand that. But I think against Wyoming, they deserve to get a chance to show their mass and show that they could just overpower those guys. And it took too long to figure that out. Like, I, okay, you want to live off that momentum you were coming from from Alabama, but there were no deep shots tonight. Can you name one? I don't remember any like deep shot going down the field. Maybe the JT Sanders one that was an incomplete yeah. pass or the one that almost got picked off, but I wouldn't really, really call that a deep shot. Not like the ones we saw from uh, Adonai Mitchell or Xavier Worthy last week. Like they were taking that away. Coach Bowl for Wyoming said, no, they're not going to beat us deep. I'd rather have them have the ball for long ass drives and try to beat us that way. And it was so hard for Steve Sarkeesian to bite his lip and say, damn it. We just got to do that. He did not want to do that. And that's why you saw the just inconsistency early on. Like that's, that's what I saw. Like, okay, Sark, he's taking something that you love away and you're still trying to do it. Like you're, you could tell Quinn was still like, okay, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Do I take the easy stuff? And those, those options weren't even open. So, yo, sometimes you might just give it to number 24, three straight times four straight times, five straight times. You saw what the Eagles did Thursday night football. They had a drive against the Vikings, 16-play drive. You know how many times they ran the ball? 13 times. They realized Jalen Hurts, who was second in MVP last year, Nick Sirianni was like, yo, Jalen ain't feeling it right now. We got A.J. Brown's crazy ass cussing out my quarterback on the sideline and stuff. I just want to win. Let's run the football. And what did they do? They pounded it down the Vikings' throat, and DeAndre Swift had a terrific game game like that's coaching you just gotta take what the defense gives you even if it might be out of your character like that's what the best head coaches do that's what the best college football teams do they're balanced so like I I need to see more of that I need to see more of the balance and they took a step tonight in the second half and especially in the fourth quarter but again like I said earlier all four quarters. I need all four quarters. Even in the Alabama game, that third quarter was sad. That third quarter, you know, I fumbling the ball on a loose snap. So we're trying to go for the quarterback sneak, and Jonathan Brooks has to get the first down. There was a lot of sloppiness in that Alabama game that carried over to this week. So as, you know, glorious as that was, this team still has to get better, and this team still has faults a lot like the other teams in college football. And I think if they could get those faults taken – you know, taken care of along with what they've done well these last three weeks, then we still haven't seen the best of this 2023 Texas Longhorn football team, Trey. I always need to give some love on the Clean Cause YouTube comments line to Super Chats. We're going to start with AP. Gave us $9.99. Thank you so much, AP. Y'all are great. I appreciate and love you both. I'm out. Three hook'em hand signs. And then Jake, our buddy Jake, who is a regular contributor on Texas Sports Unfiltered, on to Wacko. I'll be there. Hook them. Yes, on to Waco indeed. Never crazy about night games an hour and a half north of us here in Austin, Zay. There should be a decent Longhorn contingent. And Baylor is not a great football team right now, especially when they are down their starting quarterback, Blake Shapin. But they will be out for blood the final time they get to te- face Texas as a conference foe. 
So you have to be ready for that one. This is going to be a very physical affair like what the Longhorns dealt with tonight against Wyoming. Perhaps this serves as a nice primer for that, as did last week, by the way. Alabama is more physical than either of those teams. Uh, Maybe perhaps a little bit less manly than Wyoming because Wyoming has a bunch of 24- and 25-year-old farm boys. uh, (laughs) But uh, Waco and Baylor are going to present their own set of challenges And uh, we'll certainly spend uh, a good chunk of the week breaking down what to expect out of these Baylor Bears next weekend. First, though, I need to ask you, Zay, if you and I have the same offensive play of the game, that being that Xavier Worthy catch and run for a 44-yard touchdown that puts the Longhorns up 17-10, to and they never really looked back from there. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe the Jonathan Brooks big run just because I think that gave this offensive line a lot of confidence and him a lot of confidence to know that, okay, we can move the ball a little bit and get these big gains. But, yeah, I would say those two are tied for me. Xavier Wordy's, it was huge because, you know, it gave the Horns a lead when the game was tied 10-10. But for Jonathan Brooks' sake, I think he needed that for his psyche. And I think this offensive line, they needed that. Like, man, finally we got some yards, you know, on the ground. I mean, Jake Majors, there was one run before that big run happened, before um, it went to the fourth quarter. It was still in the third quarter, which Longhorn Network, your production team, y'all got to do better. We're out here at commercials and we're missing – like game time action. What are we doing? Like, I get it. This is the last game of the year and we kind of don't give a damn no more, but man, like we, we got to do better. But one of those runs, Jake majors, it was a big time first down and he pumped his fist and he yelled and stuff. And I want to say it was just 17, 10 at that point, you know, it was kind of like, finally, Finally, we're starting to move the ball on the ground. We've been hearing it from our coaches these last two weeks that we got to run the football. You hear Sark talk about in the pressers when they, even though he doesn't call it, but when they know you're going to run the football, you got to be able to run the football. And when they finally did that, I just think for the offensive line psyche, um, Jonathan Brooks psyche, I think that's huge. And that's going to go a long way and show this team that, okay, we're not just a throw first team. We're a little bit more balanced than a lot of people think. Whether you go with that Xavier worthy touchdown reception or I guess uh catch and run for a touchdown or that long Jonathan Brooks run our offensive play of the game is brought to you by Hat Creek Burger Company they're actually celebrating their 15th birthday this month that's right Hat Creek started out as a food truck here in Austin behind Star Bar on West 6th Street back in 2008 and since then They have continued to grow to 26 different locations across Texas with spots in Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, Temple, and even up in Waco as those Longhorn fans who may be visiting Waco for that night game next weekend might be able to attest to, yes, drop by Hat Creek before the game. I love going with the kids to Hat Creek, not only because they typically have really good play areas for those kiddos, They've also got that birthday cake shake that I have a hard time saying no to. You know how strict I am with my diet. I can't help myself when I go to Hap Creek. That birthday cake shake is out of this world. When I take the kids, we split it up into threes with dad getting a little bit more. 
But regardless, even if I'm there by myself, yes, that birthday cake shake is the perfect cherry on top of that burger and fries, Zay. Oh, yeah. Hat Creek's on point. Definitely got to get the big hat every time I go in there. All the fixings, the onions are very good on the burger. I'm all about my onions on the good burger. And Hat Creek, they do it right. Shout out to Drew and the crew. Here are the dog. Quinn going to win a fucking Heisman throwing for 100 yards against Wyoming? The answer is no, Hair the Dog. No, he is not. Thank you for your contribution tonight. Yeah, and I have to think about that going into games like this because I was talking about that with Chip Brown on Chip and Zay this week. Like, yo, this is the game that you pat the stats. This is the game. Everybody wants all these awards and stuff. Well, these are the games that you pat the stats. So when those committees or those voters, when the season's over, and they see the stats, they can go back to this game and be like, oh, Quinn Ewers, five touchdowns, 300 yards. He really took, well, you know, this Wyoming team, they didn't phase him at all. Eh, wrong. That ain't it. We didn't see that. And you have to think Sark was going for that. I mean, Sark's had a lot of Heismans that he's coached. Like, that helps in recruiting. That helps for a lot of things, like money-wise, publicity. Like, I know it's the University of Texas, but, hey, having a Heisman, that could go a long way. So, you know, obviously you want to win the game, but sometimes – you know, you get caught of just trying to win pretty instead of just winning. And we saw a little bit of that tonight. Like, hey, Quinn, yours, Heisman, whatever. I just want the win. Like, yeah, that was fun talking about it last week. But at this point, I just think that this team is going to have its ups and downs. And winning ugly, you're going to have to result in that sometimes. Like, it's just what it is. Like, I don't think anybody who's won a national championship, maybe the Georgia teams, but other than that, probably a couple of Miami teams, you're going to have a couple of ugly wins. Like, I always go back to that Oklahoma State win for this 05 team where they were down and VY was pump faking guys and had to run for 60-something yards. Like, there's going to be ugly wins, but as long as you get it, that's all that matters. And this team tonight, it was just the play calling was too pretty for my liking instead of just getting down and dirty and running the damn football. Yeah, unfortunately, Quinn Ewers was the guy who called that players only meeting on Tuesday. So if you're going to do that, you got to light up the scoreboard. You got to light up the stat sheet. And he didn't do that. I, I, you know, it's a bummer, and that's not to say we're giving up on Quinn Ewers just yet, but this does make me think back to uh, last Saturday night's analysis that Quinn Ewers plays his best ball when the lights are brightest. This game was on Longhorn Network. It's against an opponent that you were favored by more than four touchdowns to beat, and it's the last game before play after a, an emotionally draining win over Alabama and Tuscaloosa last weekend, too, so... The letdown effect was in full force. It was a possibility this week. I thought they would be able to overcome it, but they just didn't do a good good enough job of executing. And the rushing attack to a lesser degree, but it all comes down to Quinn Ewers being off at times and his receivers dropping the football too. And LHN actually showed this stat. Good for them for showing a negative stat on the Longhorns here. They were ninth in the country heading into this game on dropped passes. And they are probably a little bit worse ranked in terms of closer to that number one slot after tonight's game, because there were at least four or five more drops in this game too. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people on our comment section, they talked about this Horns team, they got to catch the ball. Well, Quinn throws it in some pretty awkward positions. Like, it's hard to catch a pass when you're running full speed and it's at your feet. It's hard to catch a pass when you're running full speed and it's over your head and then some guy is breathing down your neck trying to make a play on the ball. Like, it's tough. And you see that a lot when Quinn has to move around and stuff. It's just not on point as it should be. Like, if JT Sanders doesn't have any catches in the game, Game, that's a problem. I, I zero catches. Zero. He didn't wow. have any catches tonight. Zero. Gunner Helm did, and he almost scored on that touchdown. But yeah, JT, he had zero catches tonight. And he's supposed to be the second best tight end in the nation behind uh, Bowers over at Georgia. So yeah, like it looked like 2022 Quinn when it came to throwing the ball. But mentally, you know what I like that Quinn Ewers does mentally? He still stays engaged. Like last year when he was playing bad, you saw that deer, the headlights look, and it just looked like the moment was too big for him at times, and he wasn't talking to nobody and just looked kind of timid out there. Like now Quinn, he's still locked in. After that touchdown run that he had, he was hyped, getting his hands up, getting the crowd up, dabbing people up, you know, handshake shaking different guys on the sideline like it's a different Quinn yours who stays locked in even if he struggles and you know it's not just Quinn yours when he struggles it's Steve Sarkeesian like are you calling the right plays are you making the right reads for him are you making life easy for him or are y'all just trying to play pretty and thinking that everything's sweet out here and it doesn't matter what the defense throws at you you're just gonna do what you want I, I think we saw that I think they I think they arrogantly got to that point where, oh, it's Wyoming. So it shouldn't matter what we run out here. When Wyoming, they got a lot of blue-collar dudes, a lot of guys from Texas, like 20-something players from this state. Like, they're very prideful coming back home and playing in front of probably their family and parents and stuff at DKR with that crazy light show going on, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, like, it was a lot going on. And, you know, that team, you can't be arrogant against teams like that. You you know, it's I get it, being confident, thinking that nobody should stop us, whatever we do, but that's just not realistic. And if this team continues to have that type of mindset, then they might get upset. Like I they can't take nobody for granted. They gotta take what the defense gives them. And you don't you don't really see Quinn Ewers like changing many plays at the line and stuff. I don't know if that's the next part of his game or if we're ever going to see that before he moves on to the NFL. But yeah, I just seem like, it just seems like sometimes the play that's called, that's what they're running. No matter what the defense is showing, no matter what they're giving you, that's what we're running. And I think that's why you see those slow starts and just the inconsistency at times. Moving on now to our offensive player of the game brought to you by Verde's Mexican Parilla located off of Hamilton Pool Road off of 71 in beautiful Spicewood, Texas. Serving up traditional Mexican fare as well as some of your Tex-Mex favorites. They've got a really nice indoor area that is great for dates. A cool outdoor area too with a lot of space that the whole family can have a whole lot of fun you can find out for yourself. If you're near Spicewood, check out Verde's, again, off Hamilton Pool Road, off 71 in beautiful Spicewood, Texas. Two candidates here, Zay, Jonathan Brooks, and Xavier Worthy for our offensive player of the game. Ultimately, I'm giving it to Jonathan Brooks. How about you? 
Yep, Jay Brooks, man, it goes to him. He was solid tonight, 21 carries, 124 yards. I wish he would have touched the end zone, but that's all right. But, yeah, I thought he showed us a lot today and showed that he should be the RB1 going forward. Defensive player of the game is brought to you by Kenfield Golf Cars. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned golf cart, look no further than Kenfield Golf Cars. Kenfield Golf Cars was founded in 1979. They have an unparalleled selection of different golf carts available and new or used. And they'd love to custom make you a golf cart. If you have an idea or maybe you just have some thoughts on what you need out of your golf cart. They'd love to make it happen for you. Nobody does it better than Kenfield Golf Cars. Check out their website, KenfieldGolfCars.com for more info, or you can give them a call, 512-258-8515. Say, my defensive player of the game, I think, would be my team MVP for tonight, and that would be Jade Barron making plays from minute one in this contest all the way up to the point where the backups were in for this Texas defense. Shade Barron, enjoy him while you can, Longhorn fans. He is the next great defensive back in a long line of good defensive backs here in Austin. He's so versatile, man. Like You could put him anywhere on the field from the nickelback spot. You could play him at boundary corner. Like It doesn't matter. He's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty. And, yeah, nine tackles tonight. He was all over the field. And they were always at big times, too, at big third downs where Wyoming wanted to move the chains. The dude would come in and just lay the wood. And, again, the team needs that. Like He's absolutely fearless. You saw his pick last week against. Alabama and he said on Twitter last week after the Bama game yo he going for Jim Thorpe he going for that award like he thinks he's that good and he's off to a hell of a start if the Horns could keep on winning and stay the number four team in the nation and maybe move up and not move back then he's going to get that attention that you know uh, Hodges Tomlinson had last year who won it for TCU and there are a couple of guys that you could argue were probably better than him but when you win then it's easier to get those awards and John A. Barrett man I love that guy him being from Austin he definitely has a special place in my heart Conley High School like he reps burnt orange to the full and yeah I think he's the anchor of this secondary I know a lot of people thought it would be Jalen Catalan coming in but John A. Barron I think he's shown that he's the leader of this secondary and making plays and he does that with his voice and he does that with his play on the field there's a second best player for the Texas defense tonight. Who do you think it was? Was it Terrell? Was it maybe Byron Murphy, if you consider the contribution he made to the offense too? Was it one of the other defensive backs? Jalen Catalan didn't play a ton tonight, but it felt like he was forced into action a little bit more in the third quarter to try and spark this Texas defense. He had a couple of nice tackles throughout that process and a really nice um, I guess he gets credit for the pass breakup that tight end was not going to catch that ball but he made sure of it on a throw to the end zone in the third quarter that would have given Wyoming the lead so Jalen Catalan gets some love and then Jalen Ford too was his typical solid self just uh, the one linebacker that you can certainly count on uh, all over the field just making sure armed tackles all throughout the course of the night 
Yeah, I think it's easy to take Jalen Ford for granted just because he's not necessarily having the big-time season in the first three games that he did last year where he got absolutely hosed for Big 12 player of the year. But you're right, he's been absolutely solid. Jalen Catalan, same with him. I don't think he's getting the credit that he deserves because everybody's expecting the first-team all-SEC safety that he was coming out of Arkansas. So both of those guys, they quietly been solid for this team. Um, you know, Jaron Thompson, his ability to redeem himself these last two weeks, like I, I got to salute that because, you know, a lot of guys out there, they would just keep on getting beaten and keep on struggling. It seems like he could correct his mistakes. And when you're an upperclassman and a guy that's been a starter for three plus years, like you should be able to pick up, pick up on stuff like that. Okay. They're beating me here. They're beating me here. I'm starting to figure it out. Now I'm going to jump this route because I've seen it multiple times because they've got me with it multiple times. And he's done that in multiple weeks like that's been very impressive Barrett Sorrell he finally got going I know he wanted 10 plus sacks and you know I don't know if he had one week one I don't think so but definitely had one tonight and we talked about it earlier but yeah man I um I don't know. There are a lot of guys out there number two but it's obviously John A. Barron number one for sure Yep. All right. Last word time. We're a little bit over an hour here and I'm going to be honest. I want to go to bed. <laughs> Last word is brought to you by Paul's Motorworks. I can't help it. I'm an old guy at this point. I'm, I'm usually long asleep by this time. Last word is brought to you by, or maybe it's the final word. Yeah. The final word is brought to you by Paul's Motorworks. Paul's Motorworks has been repairing foreign and domestic cars in Austin since 2000. Now, they actually specialize in foreign cars like BMWs, Mini Coopers, Mercedes-Benz, Audi, Volkswagen, and Porsche. They do so much more than that. That's where BK goes to get his oil changes, too. Don't trust your car to just anyone. Trust your car to the great people at Paul's Motor Works. You can check them out online at pmwaustin.com. Final word time, Zay. What is your final word on Texas 31, Wyoming 10? Um, in the words of Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. And that's what we saw tonight. As sloppy as it was, the Horns are 3-0. and They're still going to be a top four team in the nation. And a lot of teams in the Big 12 went down this week. So it's a weak Big 12. Like You have every opportunity to handle your business. You just got to take it game by game. And you can't take anyone lightly. I think this team, they kind of took Wyoming lightly, especially the coaching staff with the way that Sark was coaching, you know, I mean, the way that he was play calling, I mean, you could have the guys ready mentally, but the way they called plays was a little ignorant in my eyes. It just – Again, you got to take what the defense gives you, and they weren't giving you those deep throws down the field. So let's put the ball on the ground more, you know. And it took a little too long for them to realize that, but hey, they got the dub, and that's all that matters. So you're three and zero before Big Twelve play starts. And I think if we go back three weeks ago, Trey, before the season even started, if we were to say this team was three and zero going in the Big Twelve play, everybody and their mama, no matter what it looked like, would take that. Yeah, my final word is that you had to have a short memory after the win at Alabama last weekend. Not you, the fans. You, the fans, can act however you want to. 
The football team needed to have a short memory after last Saturday, last Saturday, and they need to have another short memory heading into this next week's game too. There will be a lot of tape that you're going to get to watch to learn the mistakes that you made to try and avoid making those same mistakes again. Some things are just a chronic issue, like that case of the dropsies that seems to be affecting the entire wide receiver core right now. And certain assignments on the offensive line that younger guys, highly rated guys coming out of high school are still struggling with twists and stunts and things like that too. Hopefully for some of the more veteran offensive linemen, they can clean up some of those illegal procedure penalties. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot against better competition. Is Baylor better competition right now? I'm not totally sure, but that game will not be at home. It will be on the road in a raucous environment where it's much more difficult to hear calls. You have to have a short memory about tonight, but I guess we can rest our laurels on the fact that there won't be nearly as much rat poison floating around Austin this week for this team to consume. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to hear a little bit of hate this week. I hope that chip that all of a sudden got a lot lower on your shoulder after that went over Alabama, it's starting to grow back up again now. You need that chip to grow. You're going to feel disrespected this week. And by the way, they're not wrong. You fucking sucked through three quarters, Texas offense. Figure it out. <laughs> game. You have a chance to reestablish yourselves as a national threat next weekend in Baylor or in Waco rather against Baylor, that first conference game to set the tone for the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. So we'll see. It's going to be a good long week NFL tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And yeah, we'll be right back here with Texas sports unfiltered a full week. By the way, Ronald talking about my forehead and stuff. Your wife like it. I know that. She watching right now. Be careful. Be careful because there's a lot of chocolate I'm throwing at you right here. You know, it might be sweat a little bit, but the sexy's still here, baby. Your wife like it. Quit hating, my friend. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything with the five head that I'm rocking right now. By the way, here are the dog. I have seen a grown man naked. And uh, thank you for chiming in as usual. Much love to you as well. Thanks to everybody who took part tonight. Greatly appreciate it. If you haven't already, do click that thumbs up button on the YouTube feed. And if you have not already, subscribe to Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube and make sure to download our free app. All you have to do is search Texas Sports Unfiltered in that app store for Apple and Android. For Zay and everybody else here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, thank you so much for tuning in tonight and all week long. We'll talk to you on Monday at 8 with Bucky and BK live from 8 to 10 and the full lineup after that. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the weekend and hook them.